0: This is the Asade Podcast Channel. Audio pills to get inspired. Buenas tardes. Estic aprendemos una miqueta de catada. That's all I know. It's not bad, it's not bad. Um, I am going to share with you guys a little bit about my thoughts on what's happening um, in in, in this environment. And this talk is titled Metamorphosis, and I will explain to you guys at the end why I call it metamorphosis. Um, So, I'm going to start with explaining about this concept of what's called the pace layering. And it's from this book by Stuart Brand in uh, about 20 years ago. So pace lay- layering is this concept of how we progress and how we uh, make innovations through time. And obviously, because 20 years ago, uh, the concept was based in, from the very bottom, you have nature, so meaning that uh, our bio- biodiversity has changed uh, very slowly over time. Up above is culture, on top is governance, infrastructure, and obviously commerce and fashion change rapidly in our society. Now, what he also talked about is that these bottom layers provide stability and structure to these upper layers that create innovation. So this was a concept, again, back in 20 years ago, and it worked with you well in understanding how uh, how we progress in the future. And I'm gonna explain to you now this concept that, um, this analogy of what I call the social train. And the social train is something that you and I and everyone has gotten on, even we're putting our children onto the social train. And what does this train look like, right? So we put our kids into schools uh, and they learn stuff uh, so that they can get good grades, so that they can get Uh, into good universities, so that they can get good grades, so they can get a good job, get paid, buy that house, buy that car, get married, and live happily ever after, right? How many of us have gotten on that train? Everyone. How many of us have put our kids on this train nowadays? All of us, right? But there's a problem. We know that this train no longer works because we're putting kids into this uh, system of education that they're learning skills that are obsolete, and so are uh, them in in a lot of these universities. Um, To get jobs uh, that they're gonna hate, uh, and to make them money to buy things that they don't need, uh, to get married to the person that most likely they're gonna get divorced to (laughs) nowadays, and uh, with all this material stuff that they're not happy about. This is the train that we have set up. And this is the infrastructure. These are the trains that, this is the train that we've continued uh, putting our kids onto. So what happens is that we're left with a fast world, with fast foods, fast fashion, fast cars, and all of this obviously lead to a society and a world and a planet of fast death. And this is, I think this is one of the reasons why we're all here today to talk about how we can make those changes. Now, what happened to the pace layering, comparing to 20 years ago, is that there's a disruption. We see that we know that climate change is imminent. It's changing in the pace that we have never imagined before. And all of a sudden, nature has been bumped up, whereas governance has been bumped down. And what we are also uh, seeing is that technologies and business change is exponentially accelerated. So we have a seismic disruption between these layers, and all of a sudden innovation and stability no longer match. Sorry about the, the overlapping in the words, but there's a, there's a seismic disruption between what is innovative and what, is, uh, uh, what stability is. So now, uh, as we're gathering here today, we're trying to find how to reconstruct and how, how do we bridge, again, these disruptions. So we've talked a lot about the shift in power today, um, but I'm going to go in a little bit more detail in the world of technologies and what is happening today. um, we know that information is instantaneous and ubiquitous, right? So the other day I looked up uh, online how to build a fusion reactor. I don't know what a fusion reactor is. <laughs> Chris, maybe you can tell me later. What a, I don't know what a fusion reactor is, but you can build it at home with the things that you have in your kitchen. Uh, so information is everywhere, it's, um, you can find it in 0.24 seconds under Google. Technology is low-cost. Um, so here are some examples. On the top is an uh, at-home DNA sequencer where you can just sequence your own genes. You have a 3D printer that's under $1,000. You have Arduino's, which are these control- microcontrollers that are $50. This is a really interesting um, uh, concept. So uh, over here on top, and the, the guy in the one-piece suit, his name is Joe Justice. He is a programmer. Um, I met him a couple years ago here in Barcelona, actually. And uh, he have this, he, he really want, he's a programmer, and he really wanted to do something else. And what he decided, he's going to build a car. But not just any car. The most sustainable car there is out there. So, but he didn't just start building a car. He created a page called Wikispeed so that he can gather information from everyone else to help him build a sustainable car. And not only that, he opened up his garage so that everyone can go into his garage and help him build this car. And within three months, he built the first prototype. Really ugly, but it worked. <laughs> The second one uh, took him six months, and the last one took him 12 months. The whole entire process took him less than three years. And the car in the, okay, not comparing to Tesla, but the car in the bottom is the fastest, cheapest, and most uh, efficient car there is out there in the market of car production today. And this is all done by a guy in his own garage. So the time from concept to consumer has been drastically reduced. And we no longer talk about mass production. We can actually have the technologies to do hyper customization. So here you see this dress which is a 3D printed dress that is highly customized into her, the measurements of that person. So we can produce things that are personalized. We also have um, access to funding that has been made easier for us. Platforms like Kickstarters, crowdfunding, uh, platforms that allow us if we have, when we have good ideas to launch our ideas into the market. And we also have the power of communication. So what actually is happening is that we see this shift. Um, We have access to knowledge, we have access to funding, we have access to technologies, and we have access to communication. So I'm going to make this big statement because I think this is the paradigm that is uh, happening to us now. For the first time in human history, individuals, people, communities like us have the same innovation power as large companies and even nation states. This has never happened before in all of human history. Every single one of us that's sitting here have the same level of innovation power because we have the resources to do what we need to do to make the change that we need. Now, not too far from the the future, what we will see is these shifts. How? applicable these innovation power can alter our future. So instead of being passive learners, we're going to see active makers. We're going to see children learning by doing, instead of waiting for information to be fed to them. We're going to see consumers being from passive being uh, active. So I would love to... <laughs> this boy, his name is uh, Etienne. I met him when he was 12 years old uh, at a Maker fair. So a Maker fair is this festival to celebrate people who make things with their hands. Uh, at the end, when he was 12 years old, he loves using these Arduino's to create these robots that you see on the bottom. But not only that, he used, uh, he created these kits and sold it to other children so that other kids can build their own robots. And not and he didn't stop there. He built an e-commerce platform so that he can sell these kits to all the other children all over the world. And he got filthy rich, and now he's the professor of MIT, and I'm really jealous of his Trajectory in his professional life, but anyway, <laughs> amazing kid. He's 14 years old. He is actually a professor of Arduino at MIT, hence the T-shirt that he's wearing. Um, oh, this is him in live action teaching adults. By the way, forgot to tell you, um, at MIT. Um, also, there's this shift. Um, if we can imagine the first uh, di- the first icon to the far right that. Previously, the way we manufacture things is that we, uh, like in the artisan's period, we would manufacture things and design things locally, and we were manufacturing uh, locally as well. Globalization happened, and what happened is that we can design uh, locally, but we send it out to China. I can say that because I'm Chinese. But we can send it to China, and we fabricate those things, and then we redistribute them as consumers. But now we have a different paradigm where we can design globally, thanks to internet, but we can manufacture them locally. And this shifts the way we manufacture and understand our products as consumers. No longer are we being uh, creating unsustainable conditions where we don't know where our things are made or where they are, how, the conditions of the people who make them, and shift to community-driven local products and local resources to create uh, the things that we need locally. And, and if everything that I have said so far has been forgotten, this is a concept that I would really like to drive into all of you, is that uh, if we think about the roles of how, uh, how we create, the first, there's this guy who design, right? In English, we call it the white-collar guy, uh, who's like behind the computer and design stuff. And then there's this guy who's a blue-collar guy who makes stuff with his hands. And then you have the consumer guy who buys the stuff that is being built by the the blue-collar guy. Well, right now we have a new role. the, The same guy who could think and design, could manufacture and make and create, and make it for himself, essentially had tightened up this innovation power all on his own, and he can create much faster than ever before. So examples like the bionic hand. Well, the father of this kid, this child obviously, was born with a deformed hand. And his dad couldn't afford buying him prosthetics every single year that cost 20000 And what he did was he created an open-source bionic hand that he could 3D print every year for $300 and left it open source so that every other child uh, could have this bionic hand uh, printed at home. And not only that, we're going to start seeing lots of lots of ideas and innovation because this innovation power has been reduced on the level of individuals and communities, right? So I'm just going to go through really quickly some of my favorite projects. The first one is a object recognition tool that can uh, identify species in fishes. So if you can imagine placing this into an underwater drone, uh, they can monitor ocean health and our fish species and the quantity. The bottom one is Gelsin, amazing project. What they're trying to disrupt is uh, protein collagen. Uh, so pro- I don't know if you guys know, but protein collagen comes from animal bones, boiling down animal bones. So they're trying to replace that using DNA uh, and cultured this DNA into uh, non-animal, well, animal, but non, uh, not taken out from an animal, if not from a DNA, uh, into uh, gelatin. So the interesting is that you can use extinct animal's DNA so this, these, these gummy bears that you see there are actually made from DNA from uh, a mammoth. Um, so yeah, you can have gummy bears from dinosaurs in the future. The top one is a project from Barcelona. Um, so I don't know if you guys remembered when there was La Ley de Mordata, and they prohibited people to, to protest in the street and these guys from uh, Antelope, this company, uh, created a hologram for freedom where they projected the protest in front of uh, Ayuntamiento de Madrid um, <laughs> where it was completely legal because no one was there uh, physically. <laughs> and the last project is a 3D-printed food where you can imagine the far, the furthest image is a, um, it's a dough with all the seeds and the uh, mushrooms and the uh, sprouts uh, along the week. And then at the end, after the week, the whole entire 3D-printed objects with all the mushrooms sprouted and then you put it in the oven and then you can, you can eat it in whole. So they were trying to address food waste in a self-contained uh, end product. So I also want to share with you guys the story of Amy Mullen. So Amy Mullen is an athlete. She was born without legs. And Amy Mullen gave this amazing talk that I watched about a few years ago. And it, it just stuck in my mind forever. And I want to share that story with you. So she was on the TEDx, TED Talk stage. And she said, you know, when I go out to run, I put on these legs because they let me jump faster and run you know, further. But when I go out at night, I put on these legs. And by the way, she's also a model. <laughs> I put on these legs because they make me feel taller, prettier, and, um, and it makes me more confident. And, uh, and she was seeing this on stage, and she was explaining that she was explaining to her friends that she has this capacity to change legs. And her friends said, well, that's not fair. <laughs> And I thought to myself, wow, where have we come down to? Not only do we have the capacity nowadays with the technologies that we have in our hands to change and find the solutions, we can go further beyond. She, does, she, she doesn't just, we didn't just put legs on her. We created a person with changeable parts, a superhuman, and we have the capacity and the technologies to do so nowadays. So for me, All of us are actually superheroes. We all have this capacity. We all have this access to resources. uh, And we are all very much capable of change. Now for us, we really believe that everyone can create, that disruptive ideas come from empowered individuals. And the problem that we're facing today is that, um, ooh, the image is gone, sorry. So I had this image of, of an ant uh, drawn inside a circle, and the idea is that, uh, and that circle doesn't exist, that circle is a pen drawn on paper, but the ant stayed in that circle thinking that that is a true barrier. And more often than not, we ourselves draw those barriers thinking that, oh, I don't know about this technology, so I don't know about this concept, and we stop ourselves before we do things. So, uh, my point is that how can we start from ourselves changing that mindset so that we can actually do impact right so i wanted to um end with a few quotes this is the first one Uh, paul hawkins is the author of project drawdown which is the most comprehensive plan ever to propose the reversal of global warming so if you guys don't know this book this is like the bible of climate change he said this the worship of currency is perhaps the greatest cause of social and environmental damage in the in the modern day the proper study of economics is fulfillment not consumption. So how can we change our infrastructure? This, tra- this the train that we talked about earlier, which is fueled with economics, which is fueled with capital- capitalism, which is fueled with sales, profit, and money, and change that fuel of that train into purpose-driven fulfillment, so that we can be happy and we can be uh, create impact. So I said earlier that my talk is called Metamorphosis, and Metamorphosis for me is this transformation that we're experiencing now, and it's beautiful on one hand, um, but it's also disturbing on the other hand because there's a lot of moral and ethical issues that we have yet to address, but it's also very exciting. So this is, <laughs> this is a project that is kind of fun, stemming into this moral ethical issue. It's a sensor that you can place in the back of a cockroach. Uh, And then you can use your iPhone to remote control this cockroach, and the question is, is this morally wrong, correct? There are versions of this with drones on dragonflies um, where they're trying to automate animals and insects. So we live in a world where very much technologically um, capable in doing many many things. Now the capacity lies on us. Good entrepreneurs make money. Great entrepreneurs make leaders, but true entrepreneurs are the ones that make impact. And I remembered when I was learning about social innovation, the first thing that my professor said, uh, social innovation and social entrepreneurship, they don't exist. They don't exist. And the reason is because every single entrepreneurship, every single initiative that we do should be social. We shouldn't distinct what we do as business and what we do for impact. So with that, I end with this quote. Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Because if that happened, that means that we have truly wasted our time, our talent, and our resource. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Esade, Inspiring Futures.